Get ready. It's time for Motherhood Talk Radio, live on Toganet.com. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Motherhood Talk Radio features the powerful voices of Christy Hawley, Robin Boyd, Linda Franklin, Tracy Coston, Danny Kiernan, Susan Haid, and Lisa Dietress. Together, these women bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s, from great parenting tips to moms living with cancer, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here on Motherhood Talk Radio, and we are going to have such a great show today. You know, I like to bring the best and the brightest and the most fun women to come on our show and talk about, especially like difficult or weird or crazy topics. And today we're going to talk about your best pregnancy, the ultimate guys, the easing, uh, the aches, pains, and uncomfortable side effects during each stage of your pregnancy. And I know since this is Motherhood Talk Radio that everybody out there is listening, you know, has a kid. And whether you birthed them out yourself or you adopted them, I swear these kids can cause aches and pains in so many, so many different parts of your body. I'm like, Dr. Jagger, I'm like, my neck hurts from carrying my kids around. My back hurts. My hip hurts. You know, and after blowing out two kids, um, you know, you're just not the same down there. So I'm so excited that you're with <laughs> us today. And we're going to have so much fun because uh, this is the type of stuff that women need to know they need to talk about. And Absolutely. Um, yeah. So before we get started about your book and everything, I want the women listening today to get to know you. So tell me a little bit about yourself because it's so much more fun when we get to meet the woman behind the book rather than just talk about your book. But your book is great. So, you know, we'll 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 cover that too later on. So tell me about yourself. Where are you from? How'd you grow up? And and lead us up to why you wrote this book. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I am smiling really big right now, even though you can't see it. And um, thanks for having me on the show. I am one of the few board-certified clinical specialists, women's health, uh, physical therapists in the country. There's only a few of us. Um, when I say few, it's about 200 of us, and we're kind of spread across the country, um, who specialize in women's health, pelvic rehab, obstetric rehab. I attended NYU. I earned my doctoral degree there. I lecture around the country to clinicians, and I've been on this long journey to birth this book over the past <laughs> four years. So that's been an amazing uh, journey that I've been on, and it was published two years ago. I mean, two weeks ago, sorry. Um, Ooh, it's fresh, I, hot off the press. Hot off the presses, very exciting. Um, well, I grew up in Brooklyn, and uh, actually my family's from Trinidad, which is a tiny little island off the coast of Venezuela, and they came to this country, and um, pretty much came with nothing, and just worked really hard to provide the best for my sister and I, and uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I live in New York, in Staten Island, and I work in Manhattan, and uh, I have a private practice there, and yeah, my, my co-author and I pretty much came together 
a few years ago and decided to write this book. And I have not had children, but I am a pelvic pain survivor. I am now pain-free, but I suffered from when I was very young with pelvic pain, with all kinds of different conditions and inflammatory conditions. And my co-author has had children. We've both been therapists for very long, for over a decade, and we've treated so many women who've come through our offices who have even been, who either been pregnant or postpartum with so many pain conditions that they could have prevented or self-treated, and we just wanted to provide a tool, a resource that they can use to help self-manage their own dysfunctions and prevent it from getting so compounded and complex by the time we see them. You know, because we know that they can't get out of the house and, and uh, sometimes and when the new baby comes along, they're not the center of attention anymore and they've got a lot of more concerns and they put themselves on the back burner. So we wanted them to have something in hand with lots of great pictures and lots of easy to follow instructions and lots of easy tips on things to do and pre- like and avoid to prevent and treat their own pain. Well, and that's really great. Like I, you know, I'm so excited that you're a pain expert and I know that sounds really weird, but so many, um, people like, you know, I've been to many doctors over the years. I had two kids and I had fertility treatments for my doctors Mm. and I had this great doctor, Dr. Chen, and she was very, very sympathetic of the pain management. Like they shot me full of drugs and my ovaries blew up, you know, with (laughs) tons of eggs in there waiting to come out, you know. She uh, she explained things in ways I could understand. So it's really great that your book and that you took the time to put pictures and illustrations and tips. And one of the things that is neat, too, is that you use household items in mm-hmm. there um, because, you know, you're right. You get sucked into the new baby vortex, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> you kind of cease to exist as a human being <laughs> other than this lactating, comforting machine. <laughs> Um, it's, it's overwhelming. And by the time you figure out, like for me, uh, my second one, I suffered from postpartum. Well, I didn't know what Mm. was going on to me till like, like month four, the lights started to turn on and my friends are like, Hey, Sam, do you think this might be happening? Because you're right. Your focus is wholly on that kid. You know, you're like, please don't kill it. Just keep it alive. (laughs) That was my parenting mantra. Like, just keep it alive. And, um, But it's and it's also like kind of a weird, uncomfortable topic to talk about, which is why I'm so excited to have you on today, because it's not like you sit down over coffee going like, how's the new baby? How's the pelvic pain? Is your bladder in your knee? You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's you know, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. And so I love that you're here to talk about some of these things because they are, you know, really they're like almost like shameful little things for women and then you really only go to the doctor when you're just oh my god I can't I just cannot do this any longer right right it's it's all about you know my whole practice and the whole women's health field kind of centers around things that people don't want to talk about and it's you know a lot of times when women are postpartum and they've had one kid two kids and they're still peeing when they sneeze and they just think that it's It's normal. It's something that you have to deal with after you have children. And it's not, you know, just because it's common doesn't mean that it's normal. It's muscles. We can still work on it. You can still you can still work to strengthen them, even if after you've had all your children and people. Really? Yeah, absolutely. They're they're I'm a I'm a sneezer. I sneeze when sometimes I laugh. I'm like, oh God, there it goes again. And you know, so you can actually fix that after the fact. I thought you were just busted since since the kid came out. And I think these are the misconceptions that women have, but they're muscles just like any other muscle. They can be tight, they can be weak, but you can rehab them no matter how how old you are, how far postpartum you are. It's just that 
they're tough because you can't see them. You know, it's not like your bicep and you can pump them up like Popeye and see them. You know, they're on the inside and that's the problem. The whole battle of the therapy is usually trying to find the muscles because everyone, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom or if you're laughing or sneezing and, and a little bit comes out, you squeeze your knees together or you squeeze your bum trying to hold back ass or something like that. But those aren't the muscles. The muscles are on the inside. So that's usually the challenge is trying to find the muscles and getting them to recruit when they need to recruit and then relax when they need to relax. But, um, you know, people don't want to talk about that or they just assume that it's natural and normal. And then, um, you know, and then on the other side, there's a lot of women suffering in pain and pain with intercourse. And that's definitely something they don't want to talk about, but it affects intimacy. So, you know, a lot of women postpartum, they have pain from episiotomies or they have, you know, trauma from labor and delivery um, or they tear. And then it, it scars down. They have, they can develop neuralgias where there's a irritation of the nerve in the area and intercourse can be very painful or just sitting or just going to the bathroom, but they're just so embarrassed to even, or even just wearing underwear. It, it's really uncomfortable and they don't want to talk about it. And you know, that's just not their focus. They're taking care of this newborn and probably another kid that they have running around. So it's important that we wanted to add all these things into the book. So we have all like a whole labor prep and recovery chapter where we say, you know, do these different stretches to help that area stretch out before you give birth so that you're not tearing as much or you're not tearing at all, or you don't need as much of a, of a cut from the doctor with the episiotomy so that you can recover faster. So, you know, these are things, like I said, people are, are not really chatting about with their friends, especially because there's an intimate component. You know, it's affecting their marriage. It's affecting their relationship with their partner. And it's important. So we wanted to add that into the book. Well, it's hugely important. Like, I'm a voracious magazine reader, Dr. Jagger. I get tons mm -hmm. of magazines. And, like, you know, like I get my Shape magazine and my Fitness magazine. And they're right. like... You know, all these stretches and stuff like that that you do, like, you know, I ran a few marathons, you know, back in oh, the day, wow. and I I do little ones now, like I did the breast cancer run last year in my mom's name at, at Dodger Stadium, but, you know, mm -hmm. I started prepping in, in, like, December for March, and, you know, I'm doing my stretches, I'm doing all mm -hmm. these things. I'm an athlete, and I swam from the time I was, like, five to college and played Wonderful. soccer. It never occurred to me in a million years to prep my body for labor and now right. that you said these things I'm like mm -hmm. my first kid was a three-day labor my second kid mm -hmm. was a two-day labor and it's like mm -hmm. that's like marathon running and yet, yet you don't <laughs> you know what I mean we don't talk about it as women going okay you need to get your body in shape for the birth like you know right. and I walked and I swam and stuff like that so but it's like you know what really my biceps they looked cute in the gown but they didn't really <laughs> help a whole lot pushing that baby out so right right you know I think what you're talking about is really vital and you know I get I got all those pregnancy magazines and they didn't cover a whole lot of right. this stuff no it's so true they kind of go through I mean a lot of the information too is not always correct you know there I've just seen a lot out there where they say do crime and do abdominal work certain ways, but there's there's something called the diastasis recti, which is the separation of the abdominal muscles. And I've had a lot of women actually come through my office who got this separation from the abdominal muscles from a prenatal class or a yoga class or personal trainer. You really, women have to be really careful about what they're reading and what they're, you know, the classes that they're going to, because sometimes these, you know, 
the instructors are not certified in obstetric care and they don't know these positions and exercises to avoid. You know, you want to avoid sit-ups. You want to avoid being on your hands and knees. You don't want to be doing certain exercises where you're in too much of a deep squat um, to affect the, the pubic symphysis, which is the front of the pelvis. Like you, you want to, not until you're getting later into the pregnancy and towards labor, do you want to start stretching out? And it's all time dependent. And, you know, women just really have to be careful with what they're reading and all this information that's being posted by people who are not accredited, you know, on the internet. And that's everyone's kind of go-to these days. So you just have to be careful. So we wanted to add that into the book as well. Well, yeah, that's really important because, you know, I did, I bought this thing, Fit Pregnancy, whatever, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, and I enjoyed it and stuff like that, and it was fun workouts, but you're right. I mean, at least this was a published book by, you know, people who knew what they were doing, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I go to the gym, and, you know, the girls are like, hey, why don't you, you know, take Zumba, why don't you do this, and, you know, and you're like going one way, your belly's going the other way, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it's fun, like, and you can almost, like, tell, like, things that just feel wrong. Like, when you were talking about the squats, like, I know one of the workout classes I did, you know, and I was maybe six or seven months at this point, and I was doing the step like that. And every time I took the step up, like, I went up and my belly went down, and I thought, okay, this doesn't feel right. Like, this is not, it's too jarring, and, Mm -hmm. you know. But you're talking about like some sneaky little muscles in there that we don't even know we have. So mm-hmm. they're not going to blow the whistle and, you know, like stop until mm-hmm. after you had the baby and you're like, OK, now I hurt. Right, right. And it's it's some of the, the tips are just really simple, just little movements to avoid or little movements to do to help protect your back, protect your pelvis, protect your ad- abdomen. And uh, I just get worried sometimes with some of the information that's out there that's not correct, that's encouraging women to do the wrong movements. You know, you have to be really careful with the abdomen because it's really difficult to, to rehab that separation of the abdominal muscles. But yeah, I mean, the most important thing is kind of listening to your body. Like you say, a lot of women just know when something doesn't feel right. If it doesn't feel right, then you should stop or you lower the intensity of, of what you're doing. You know, a lot of it is just listening to your body. Well, yeah. And do you find like, you know, once you, you know, like once I shot my kids out, you know, and I, (laughs) I had, you know, like I had the worst neck and shoulder pain. Like I expected all this pain in my hips. I expected like, you know, all this belly pain and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. like that's that thing of you, like, you know, where you have the baby like in the crook of your arm and you stick his head by your neck and you're like wandering around the middle of the night going, would you just stop crying? And the the breastfeeding position, which, you know, looks so peaceful, um, like in pictures, Mm -hmm. I was in agony, like with my back and neck. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm a computer tech, so I spend too much time on the computer. But Mm -hmm. like, those are way different muscles than you use. Like you're not carrying, like, unless you're a, you know, a running back, you're really not carrying a baby (laughs) in that position. Right. Find that women come in and complain that, you know, like, that they're having these things or do we just all suffer through it? Cause I just suffered through it. No, women totally come in. I mean, I see women throughout their pregnancy and every month is something different. So as their breasts are enlarging, you know, they're starting to get more neck and back pain because they're supporting a bigger weight in the front. And then once they have the baby, they're breastfeeding and they're carrying the baby around. They have neck and, and shoulder pain and, and the upper back pain for sure. And there's, tons of things you can do even just with positioning just you know using a boppy pillow for breastfeeding so that you're not supporting the weight of the baby or if you you know so many women have multiples now and they have these different 
uh, multiple like pillows, you know, for twins and uh, triplets and, and, you know, where you can set the babies down and feed them at the same time. And there's something called the table for two where there's a it's kind of like a double car seat where they can sit and both beat at the same time when they're still too little for for uh, high chairs and stuff like that. So um, it's just little things like that to help you take the stress off you when you're feeding or carrying around the baby. And then we have different exercises to help strengthen and stabilize your upper back muscles and your neck and different stretches. There's definitely ways to to help relieve those kinds of symptoms. Well, yeah. And if you like made a workout for moms that are like, you know, like especially fertility moms, like, you know, you know, most likely you're going to get pregnant, you know, at some point or at least you right. know, the fertility clinic wants you to think so. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like to have a workout component to be like, you know, to stretch, you know, even before you're pregnant and start working right. those muscles. Because like mm-hmm. for me, I wanted to have like the Lexus of uteruses. So I went to this nutritionist <laughs> and they're like, you know, take these supplements, eat these foods, you know, drink this, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was really serious because, you know, I didn't have my kids till later in life. So I didn't right. like pop them out at 20 and they didn't come naturally. So it was an effort. And I think... You know, there's a lot of moms today, you know, 35 and above, like the old moms. Like I imagine when they say, oh, well, you're an older mom because you're 35. And it's like, <laughs> seriously, I got moldy eggs. What are you telling me? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Um, but we are older having, you know, I just, my girlfriend just had a baby at 47. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're fit and we're healthy. But it, the thing was, we all got educated. We had successful careers. And then we started having our kids, you know, 35, 38. And mm-hmm. your body is different. Like, you you know, I had a, I had the, the girl that was like in the room with me um, at the hospital. She was delightful. We had so much fun. We had our babies at the same time. Mm-hmm. She was 22. I was 36. And, and um, you know, I will tell you, she popped right out of that bed and went to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, we got to get up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could see the 12 years and, you know, and I'm yeah. athletic and fit and she was just skinny, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, you could just see her recovery was faster. So, mm-hmm. you know, what do you, what do you recommend for women who are, you know, not 25 and, you know, spry in their fertility years, you know, that are more like me that are, you know, 35, 36 plus plus in their, you know, and and having babies or even 45 plus in having babies. Mm -hmm. Well, first, I always like that you keep saying that you either pops, shot or blew your kids out. (laughs) (laughs) They did. They did. Because one of them, I was in labor for so long, Dr. Jagru. And it was like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? And then it was like a fish swimming out. It went just like that. Like there wasn't any huffing and puffing in my second one. You know, they sat me up. They're like, Miss Beck, it's time to push. And I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden I'm like, baby's there. That's that's the epidural prank, you know, aspect of it. But, you know, they don't always have to be the grunt and grind. But I found that the my body preparing up to the actual birth part, like mm-hmm. the birth part was seemed and maybe it's just me, but it seemed like that part was really fast. Mm-hmm. It was the, you know, 37 hours <laughs> leading up to it. Right, that just right. seemed like an eternity. But yeah, you're you mean like your body's exhausted. So you know, what would you tell me, you know, at 45, if I decide to have another one, like, what would you tell me to prepare differently than you would say if I was 25? 
Well, there are changes that happen in the body over time. So there are connective tissue changes. There are different, you know, fatty deposits that happen in the muscles that affect how well they recruit and contract in the pelvic floor. But I will say that, like you said, doing a whole labor prep and pregnancy prep throughout the pregnancy, like just making sure your muscles are strong, not waiting until close to labor and delivery to start doing the exercises, but doing things to stabilize your muscles, either in your pelvic floor or in your back or in your shoulders to get the environment ready and get your body ready to support what's going to happen later in the pregnancy. So, and not, you know, waiting to that point. So there's so many different exercises and stabilization techniques that you can do and different things to avoid the onset of, of pain syndrome. So even just um, something little we have in the book is like people have pubic symphysis dysfunction. So that's the cartilage in the front of the pelvis. So people can get tenderness in that area because throughout the pregnancy, there's a hormone going through your body called relaxin. And it does just that. It relaxes. And ideally, it would just work on the ligaments and the cartilage in your pelvis at the time of delivery just to allow the pelvic bones to relax to allow the baby to drop and be delivered but it's systemic and it's being released throughout the pregnancy and it affects all the connective tissue so what happens is sometimes it works a little too good and it affects the cartilage in the front of the pelvis a little too much and the pelvis separates a little more than it should in the middle of the pregnancy so there's little things to do like in when you're getting up from sit to stand a lot of women have pain with that during pregnancy, but if you just like if you're if you've got your purse with you, you can put your purse in between your knees and squeeze the purse as you're going from sit to stand, or you can just squeeze your knees together or put your fist in between your knees and go from sit to stand, and that'll actually like help stabilize the muscle and stabilize the front of the pelvis, and that'll decrease pain. And it's just a little trick that you can do like throughout your pregnancy so that you don't start to develop pain in the front of your pelvis. Well, yeah, and anybody can squeeze their knees, and usually you have, you know, your you have a hand. If you're missing a hand, you're in trouble. But, but right, I mean, that's a very practical, easy. And is that what women will find in your book? You know, these just ridiculously easy, simple solutions, like put your purse or put your hand, you know, your knee there to get up. Because I know what you're talking about. You feel that little sharp pain, like, right. and it's like a weird little pain that just goes like, oh wow, that did not feel good. Right. But you know. Pregnancy just in general didn't feel good. I don't know, you know, it's amazing that the species <laughs> continues because it was up to me. We'd be <laughs> Yeah, these are the things we have in the book. Lots of easy, simple solutions like that that women can use throughout their day. You know, when they're going for their doctor's appointments and they're sitting for a long time in the waiting room and, you know, they get up and they get those pelvic pains, just different different ways to move or not move to to try and reduce these kinds of symptoms. And we have fun little side boxes too, where we have fun tips and like fun facts, like why you get momnesia. <laughs> like why oh yeah, why you get, do you get that? Because <laughs> you, get, you get pregnancy brain because of basically all the hormones that are going through your body and it's such a surge that your brain actually starts to rewire. Like it starts to like the circuitry changes and you only have so many shelves <laughs> in your brain for information. And the top three shelves are pretty much being taken up by baby stuff. So where you put your keys and where you put your wallet and all that nonsense and where you put your phone, like that's not priority. So it's all, all that you're, and it's a whole evolutionary thing. You know, all that your body is concerned about and your brain is concerned about is like, where's the baby? Where'd you put the baby stuff? 
you know, what do you have the nursery ready and all that stuff, but not the other things that were important to you before, like where did you put your cell phone? So it's all because of this surge of, of uh, hormones and it actually has this neurological effect on the brain. And so, you know, you start to, and then your brain actually changes in size and it doesn't go back to the size it's supposed to be until six months later. And they have studies on all of this and we included all that information in the book. And and it's just, it's amazing how the women's body and brain changes so much just to be totally focused on the baby. So that's where you get pregnancy brain because you are just focused on the little one. And it's just a neurological thing that you can control. Wow. That is fascinating. Like yeah. not only does your brain swell, but like, you know, cause I was like, oh my God, I'm dumb as a bucket of tar because I can't. <laughs> You know, my, my work especially requires like very in like a lot of like memory of, of codes and memory of strings and, and like usernames and passwords. And I struggled so hard. It was like, I was in a fog and, you know, wow. See, Mm -hmm. you know, why don't we tell women this stuff? Like, you know, cause we walk around all feeling like, like, you know, idiots going, what the hell is wrong with me? Right. Totally natural. Totally normal. It's totally, it's it's a neurological thing. Isn't that amazing? And, uh, yeah. So, you know, we give little tips about like put post-it notes on your, I was going to say put an alarm on your phone about where you left your keys, but then if you lost your phone, then you'd have to (laughs) 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 put notes all over your house, like where you left things because, uh, you know, you need to remember where you put whatever down and that's not going to be your priority. So, so that's that. But then we have other information about like your rights in the workplace as a pregnant woman. And there, there are actually laws that protect you if you need accommodations for your workspace in the, you know, if you need to accommodate your desk because you don't fit in it, or, you know, if you need to take more bathroom breaks and you need to disappear for a little while, even more, there are laws that protect you. You know, we, there are different regulations that protect you after pregnancy because you need to go pump or breastfeed or whatever, but there are actually, um, regulations and stuff that, um, protect you during pregnancy. So lots of information like that too. Well, and what it sounds like, like what I'm, what I'm hearing here and, and, and what sounds really attractive to me, like, you know, and I'm so sorry that you didn't write this book for me, when I had <laughs> but like everything out there is all focused on like the baby, like, oh, the fetus at 21 weeks and one day has another eyelash, you know, right, right. It, it's like, you know, and that's kind of cool. Like I did, I, I was a voracious reader of those things. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, cause you can't look in your own belly. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, there's this alien creature growing in there. Like what's it doing in there? And, right. and, um, you know, but, but the focus is, is so much on that. And the focus mm-hmm. is so much on what does your nursery look like and your layout. And, you know, um, I remember I went into premature, both my kids were preemies and I went to premature labor at 30, uh, 31 weeks for my first oh, wow. son. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't have um, the layout. I didn't have the, the hospital bag or anything. In fact, I had gotten off the freeway, come home to work, took a swim in the pool because it was like 105 out. And then I got out and I'm like, oh, that's not good. You know, my water broke. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's not from the pool. You know? <laughs> and uh, 
So what I did was I went right to what I usually do. I went and I packed my lunch. I got my computer bag. I got all my work and I headed to the hospital, which is, you know, really funny now when I think about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got to the hospital and, you know, three days later, you know, obviously had the baby and he was fine. But I remember the, the nurse getting so mad at me and she's like, you know, like, do your breathing, do your breathing. And I'm like, class, next week. I hadn't gotten that far. <laughs> and you're right. You're like, you just do the silliest things. But I always thought that was just me being me. I didn't realize like pregnancy brain, like now I have an excuse, like that whole yeah. thing, you know, bringing, you know, why do you bring a laptop and iPad and, you know, sheaves of contracts, you know, to the mm-hmm. hospital, have a baby. Well, you know what? I guess that's what executives do because <laughs> that's how I go out the door. But the right. focus really needs to be what I like is like, this is a book for me. Like this mm-hmm. is not just about the baby because quite frankly, the baby's not here yet. And I think there's enough stuff out there about like what the baby's doing in there. Right. That uh, for sure. And there's apps, <laughs> there's apps on your phone that can tell you, you know, the next eyelash that grows on your baby, <laughs> you know, per day and, and stuff like that. And, and there was also a lot of nutrition books. Like we, you know, we went to Barnes and Noble when we were getting the idea to write the book and, and, you know, there's a lot of a lot of similar books out there for like nutrition, what you should be eating, but not a lot for pain. And the women are just going through so much discomfort during the pregnancy. And there is nothing really out there from the point of view of physical therapists. And we're the ones seeing these women in pain and seeing them postpartum. And we didn't feel like there were sufficient tools out there for women to use as resources to help them take care of themselves. You know, everything is always about, like you said, the belly, the bump and, and what, a, what the baby's doing on the inside, but not about the, the, the oven itself. It was just about the bun, you know, right. <laughs> so we wanted to give something to the mom so they could focus on themselves. And there's a, a lot of great information. Also, we have tons of side boxes and information, um, stories from actual patients of ours and the authors themselves are my co-author and I, we offered a lot of stories about how we overcame pain. And so we included a lot of real scenarios from real patients where they talked about what they were going through and they're all very funny and, uh, you know, and how, what they did to overcome their pain and how they're, you know, they became pain-free and how my co-author and I became pain-free. So it's a very like personal and personable and relatable. So people don't feel like they're reading a textbook. You know, it's a cross between what to expect when you're expecting and the girlfriend's guide to pregnancy. It's very fun to read. It's not scary. And there's a lot of stories that women can relate to. Well, and I think that's really important, you know, what, what you're talking about, because, you know, I had the, I didn't have the girlfriend's guide to pregnancy, but I had what to expect to when you're expecting. That was kind of like the Bible, but right. it, it really did cause a lot more stress than it and did. Anxiety, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I, I truly, I had to shut off the Discovery Channel because when I had my amnio, <laughs> they're like, there's the head. And I'm like, how many? <laughs> you know, the first thing I wanted to know. And he's like, there's a foot. There's two, right? There's only two, two feet in there. And. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about pain is mm-hmm. like I had, I still do. I've always suffered from incredible headaches. I just get incredible, incredible migraines. And that was really difficult for me in the pain management thing. And this is Dr. Jagger. This is a true story. I go into the pain management thing at the hospital because they're talking about people with chronic illnesses, chronic things, post-pregnancy and pain management. And this girl sitting next to me, I kid you not, this is in LA. Okay. So she raises her hand and she's like, well, you know, I did 
cocaine, you know, the first trimester (laughs) and, you know, what's going to happen to my kid? And I'm in my head going like, oh, man, you really messed that kid up, you know, (laughs) kind of that whole thing, you know, going on. And then they did this slide up there and and they're like, she, she says to the girl, well, you know, you're not doing it anymore. So the baby's probably fine. And, you know, your body is amazing and the baby's amazing. And da, 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 da. Then she puts this slide up and she's like, drugs to avoid. They're like, oh, wave. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so she can do cocaine right. and I take a leave. And now I've like, you know, damaged his neural system for the rest of his life. You know, right, it, right. it's so like it's just so overwhelming and and you know pain management is really tough when you're pregnant because you just can't go you know down you know 500 you know ibuprofens to get rid of whatever you you have right right mm-hmm. so you had all the, the migraines during your pregnancy as well I've had them since I was like six years old you know mm-hmm. it's it's you know a chronic condition and um they were different during my pregnancy like I usually always get them on one side of my head and mm-hmm. um I started getting ones that started like a band between my forehead and go around the back and um mm-hmm. It was just interesting. Like, even though I still had the same pain issues, it manifested differently. Like, it wasn't the same. Like, that's why I'm curious about that rewiring, you know, that your brain does. Mm-hmm. You know, my pain path, it would always usually run a similar pattern, like a ball at the base of my neck, go up, wrap around my eyeball, and then it would, like, feel like, you know, like an alien's clawing out my eye. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm familiar with it. So as soon as I would feel the onset, I could take, you know, naproxen sodium or whatever it was I was taking at the time. But mm-hmm. because my pregnancy, I couldn't. So it right. was really mm-hmm. weird. And I started doing all sorts of strange things. Like I invested in all these different hot packs and cold packs. And I was, you know, wrapping my head like a mummy anytime mm-hmm. I could, because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do my typical pain management that I did. Mm-hmm. And then, um, funnily enough, I got divorced and half my headaches went away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's actually true. Um, they did, I still have them, but, but mm-hmm. your body does respond differently during a pregnancy. It does. It does. But it's interesting that you bring up that you, after the divorce, you you felt better because stress really does have such a huge impact on, on pain and inflammatory conditions. And what I tell patients is there is a whole central nervous system connection to pain and inflammatory conditions. And I say, you know, one body part needs to talk to the other body part. And I say, you know, you hope that they're talking nicely to each other because they need to regulate and and they need to make sure that the other is doing the other's function which is great but then once you're in pain and if that turns chronic and you have inflammatory conditions or whatever type of irritation in one part of the body they can start spreading bad gossip to other parts of the body because there's a whole bunch of places where they can cross information and once you start having that cross sensitization you know they they actually call it central sensitization so your central nervous system just becomes hot and then you have to do very simple things very simple stress relaxation um, relaxation techniques to reset that tone from the brain to your body, from your brain to the pelvis, from your brain to the bladder, whatever it is that's acting up. And, you know, when it becomes chronic, it just becomes so, um, compounded because so many different systems can be involved. But the, a lot of times we treat and we treat and treat, and this is the problem with the pelvis is, 
you can have so many conditions that mimic each other and women go out and they go to CVS and they just try to buy whatever to try and treat it and um, they can be causing more problems. And a lot of times it's just stress that's causing it. And that's what caused a lot of my problems too, which is funny because I ended up breaking up with a boyfriend that was causing me a lot of stress and that helped <laughs> a lot out of my conditions too. And once you start doing these mind-body calming techniques, you start to calm the central nervous system and reset that autonomic tone to the pelvis. And then you can actually affect pain levels so much by doing that. But people just think it's kind of hokey, like doing, you know, meditation or visualization or deep breathing techniques, but it has a huge, huge impact on the neurological system and calming down pain syndromes. And I make that a, a part of all of my sessions, but especially my, my pain patients and my pregnant patients, like to get them to just calm down, you know, within the scope of my practice, whatever I can do to help them manage their stress. But we always spend about five to 10 minutes at the end of each session, just doing some kind of relaxation technique, because that makes a huge difference. You can do all the physical stuff you want and you can stretch and you can, you know, do manual techniques and whatever. But if you're not managing your stress, you're going to be manifesting it in some kind of pain syndrome along the way. So that's something that's really important. Well, and I, you know, and I think you're right on because it's only recently, uh, Dr. Jagger, that mm -hmm. I, um, one of the people that came on one of my other shows sent me these meditation CDs. His name, mm -hmm. his name is Dr. Joseph Gallagher. And mm -hmm. what was happening, and, you know, and this is something that, like, I want the listeners to know, to kind of back you up uh, uh, on what you're talking about is, mm -hmm. you know, like for somebody like me who has chronic pain, I have arthritis in my spine and my, my neck, and I have, you know, obviously these chronic headaches. Mm -hmm. But, um, it was too overwhelming to me to do a meditation by myself. Like, uh, to be honest, I felt stupid. You know, mm -hmm. I'd fall asleep. You know, I'd, I'd get bored. You know, I, I, just, yeah. I couldn't focus, you know. But then, um, you know, and this is why, you know, for, for women out there, for all of us, um, when I had a CD, like he sent me the CD and I could put mm -hmm. it in my iPod, I put it in my player in my bedroom and I don't have to do anything. Like I know we're already a lazy instant society because of social media, <laughs> mm -hmm. but the idea that like for women out there, if it feels overwhelming to you or stressful, like to me, to tell me to meditate at the point that I was and I get sometimes is like, you might as well hit me in the head with a tube sock. Like it's just not mm -hmm. going to, mm -hmm. it's not going to work. But if you right. hand me a CD and say, okay, I want you to listen to this before bedtime. I want you to listen to this when you get up. I want you to, you know, do whatever. And, you know, there's lots of relaxation CDs out there. But, like, I'm like a good, like, monkey. It's like if you hand me the banana, I'll eat the banana. If you make me go pick the <laughs> banana, you know, we're out of luck. But when you're pregnant and you're overwhelmed, you have so many things to do. Like, you know, ladies out there, like, go download something from iTunes. You know, pick a couple. If one doesn't work, try another one. You know, some of them stink. Some of them are good. Um, I like Dr. Joseph Gallagher's thing because he says this thing. He's like, and this is your time just for you. And you can relax. And, uh, you know, for many of us, especially as women, we almost need somebody to give us permission to relax. Yes. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. You've got, like, look at you. It's like, you know, you've got to practice. You've got the demands of your patients. You know, you get the demands of your boyfriend. Now we'll throw a couple babies in the mix. How about a dog, you know, so that you can yeah. really go over the edge. Yeah, get a right. puppy when you have a newborn. That's that, that's what I did. <laughs> that's a really good idea. Um, but, you know, if you tell me what to do in a manner that I can do it, I think most people will do it. But we as women don't ask for help really about anything. It's true. It's true. And I... 
I always give my patients and who has ever asked me about meditation I or whoever I'm recommending it to, I give them lots of options because I know people are either averse to it. Either they think it's religious or they say, I can't clear my head or I can't just sit there. Or I can't. And there's so many different ways you can do it. You can, you know, listen to a guided meditation. You could just listen to ocean sounds. You can chant. I mean, so many people do different things. You know, I, I listen to... Um, guided meditations. Uh, there, there are different free apps. There's so many different free apps that you can download that have timed ones. So it's just, you know, you're just putting aside five minutes or if you have more time, like 15 minutes. And if you're taking the time to watch television or something like that, you could take that those five minutes or those 15 minutes to do a meditation. And they're, you know, you don't have to even buy CDs. You can just have them on your phone and they're easy access. Or if you have a commute or something, just listen to it in the car. And they're, you know, everyone's going to respond to something different. So I always make sure that I tell patients there's different ways to do meditation, you know, and um, it doesn't have to be one way. If you don't respond to it, then there's, there's other options. Well, yeah, the point is just to try, like, you mm -hmm, know, cause mm -hmm. I wish I had known about that because, you know, I was running an office in Beverly Hills, a very high powered office. I had an hour and a half commute. It's like, gee, what mm -hmm. a shock. I had two preemies. What a shock. I had trouble getting pregnant. You know, so, yeah. you know, you look at the cumulative effects of stress and now, you know, 10 years later, you know, and I have this lovely show that I can be enlightened and educated. Um, you know, I just, I didn't know, I didn't even know what meditation could do. And, and I, I was, you know, just like some of your patients where I'm like, was this some weird religious thing? Because I already pray on Sundays, like, you know, <laughs> 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 you know, because you don't know, you mm -hmm, don't know. Mm -hmm. But if you tell me, like, it calms my brain waves, that it's better for the baby, that, yeah. you know, the bun will stay in the oven longer, you know, mm -hmm. that would have gotten my attention. Right. And especially during pregnancy, women just have so many things that they're stress stressing about. I mean, you know, fixing the nursery and getting everything ready and, and baby showers and registries and, and all that stuff. So, you know, just taking the time for themselves, it makes a difference in the body. Well, yeah, and you're creating human life, you know. <laughs> you know right. That on the list, you know. Right, creating that little stressor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So what yeah. do you what do you do like when when women come in and they like some of us can't even articulate like what the pain is like 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 you know what I want to give women today is like when they come to see somebody like you or they you know they pick up their book and and you know and I really think everyone today you know if you're pregnant or you know somebody who's pregnant you know get Dr. Jagger's book and and give it to him as a gift because it's you know I wish I had had that when I was pregnant mm -hmm. um but from a medical perspective like somebody like me who comes in and I'll be like my eye hurts <laughs> You know? <laughs> and you know, Dr. Chen will look at me and go, okay, well, what, what are you doing when your eye hurts? I don't know, blinking, you know, <laughs> Just, like, what is your, like, do you think people should write a list out? Like, you know, of what, cause you know, doctors are busy and you know, you, you can't spend like, I'm lucky I get an hour with you on the phone for my free therapy session today. <laughs> But, you know, most doctors don't have that amount of time. They have, like, I was reading something about, you know, seven, eight minutes, whatever they get to spend to a patient. So right. how can how can pregnant women, especially uh, who are in pain, make that, you know, <laughs> seven minutes count? Because, you know, we need to deal with really what is. And, you know, do you suggest, like, writing down a list or, a, you know, bring in a 
journal like like how do we communicate quickly to the doctor so the doctor can better assess and help us well absolutely i think the even more so than the fact that the doctor has seven minutes with you is that the women have pregnancy brain and they're probably forgetting to mention half the thing so they need to totally keep a list and I always tell patients to like use their use their iPhone there's like that note section they can jot down something they can use Siri you can you know dictate into the phone if you just have like you don't want to text it out or whatever and just totally keep a list because I do spend a lot of time with my patients and they always say to me oh I went to see my doctor today but I forgot to tell them this 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 and that and I only had you know they were really rushed there were a lot of people in the waiting room so so then they're telling me and, you know, I do what I can within the scope of my practice to help them. But, you know, they really needed to to mention it uh, to the doctor. And I would say, write it down, write it down. I'm a dork. I write it down. Anytime I'm, I'm going to the doctor, I make sure I take my little list with me. I always have a little notebook in my in my purse. And because, you, you know, you don't want to have to wait again for the next appointment to address a, a, a symptom or something that they're worried about. So for sure, writing it down is important especially for the pregnancy brain part. So is it weird to be a doctor and go to the doctor? A little weird. You know? <laughs> but it's all good. I mean, I have my specialty and, uh, you know, I need, I have all kinds of like GI issues. I'm always at the GI doctor, but I, you know, I really have managed a lot of my conditions from just having a diligent daily meditation practice. And my practice is literally sitting on a cushion in the middle of my bedroom with like a candle and incense and like ocean sounds and just trying to just trying to clear my mind. And that I realized was such a key point. I was just stressed so much every time. Like that's what I noticed was every time I was stressed, I would have a flare up of all of my GI issues and my skin issues and, you know, pelvic pain issues. And then once I learned to do this every day, you know, your body creates a biorhythm. And as soon as I get into that position where I just sit on this little cushion in the middle of my bedroom my body knows like, oh, it's time to relax. And I focus on my breathing and, and I am able to control a lot of my issues. But, um, but you know, when I have, uh, I'm trying to control myself because I know that Thanksgiving is coming up and, and the holidays. And so I'm trying, I'm trying not to go too crazy and flare up my stomach. <laughs> well, it's hard. I mean, yeah, I mean, holidays are stressful. And, and when mm -hmm. you add a pregnant, you know, pregnancy on top of all this stuff or like you right. have, you know, like I know my, my my when my son one son was like three months old the other one was like three years old and he was just mm -hmm. coming on the cusp of like really getting um you know really getting into holidays and stuff like that and I was like oh my god I just want to sleep and you know I I should have leveraged some things you know what I mean mm -hmm. like one of the things like that you know like I wish I had done when I was pregnant you know because I'm a working professional I have some money I would have paid for more things like I would have paid to have my house cleaned like at least just through mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. periods of time or you know ordered the turkey dinner instead of like I remember trying to get that stupid bird out of the oven and it was so heavy and there was all this hot grease and you mm -hmm. know my my um you know, just stupid things we do. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think what you're talking about, because now I have this image of you in Staten Island sitting on a pillow cross-legged amidst, like, the cacophony of, like, New York energy yeah. just blaring <laughs> yeah. around mm -hmm. around you. Mm -hmm. But many of us have that. You know, we're freeway warriors. And, you know, whether you're in, in <laughs> Dallas or Chicago or New York or Los Angeles mm -hmm. or San Francisco, traffic is traffic. And, you mm -hmm. know, we've got all these, like, snowstorms in Buffalo. And, you know, there's all these, you know, stress happens. It's mm -hmm. part of it. 
it. So mm-hmm. how do you create, like, it, like I felt like you created this little Zen island in the middle of Staten Island that could be, like as Dr. Joseph Gallagher says, just for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just made it a diligent practice. And I made sure, because I had actually taken a meditation workshop in Manhattan for, and it was like twice a week. It was last year. Oh no, it was two years ago. And it was, um, but an hour and a half each. And, and they just kind of said, you know, if you keep going, it's going to be easier to, it's going to become easier. But if you start and you stop and you start and you stop, you, you, it's like a plane trying to take off. Like you're never going to get the momentum that you need to, to really be, you know, to really have a calm mind. So I made sure that I just take, even if it's 30 seconds. And I always tell patients when they're like, I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. I always like stay quiet for three seconds. And I'm like, okay, I just stay quiet for three seconds. So that's how long you need to like even just start meditating. Just take three seconds out of your day and that'll grow. And then you'll love the way you feel when you start giving yourself that time to relax. And then you'll look forward to it. And then your body will get used to it. And then you'll start to like really calm your system. You know, so I just made myself, I just forced myself to take time out of every day to uh, to, to meditate. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, like, you know, we talk about like, you know, meditation mm-hmm. taking on different forms, like, you know, like for me, I I put it on my iPhone and, you mm-hmm. know, I listen to this one and, you know, and I'm a creature of habit. So I like the same ritual. I like the same thing, but right. the weird things happens. It's like Pavlov's dog, you know, I'm like pushing my nose in the bell to get some food because like mm-hmm. if the, the guy who did these CDs, you know, um, has been on my show, like he'll call and leave a message for me. And I, I immediately start to relax at the sound of his voice or right. every once a while when I'm really, really frenetic as a single mother with two kids and an 81 year old dad living here and I'm going a hundred miles an hour, I'll stand in the kitchen, I'll make a cup of tea and I'll, I'll go, and this time just for you, <laughs> you know, that, I do that voice, you know, that uh-huh. I hear it, like, you know, that soothing voice, you know, right, that they do in right. these guided meditations and it cracks me up, but it does calm me down. So it's not mm-hmm. like you always have to do, you know, this half an hour meditation every single day. Like right. it's like a, a muscle or a habit or a, a technique and then you can like kind of call it up and I never knew you could do this because I never stuck with any practice long enough but now mm-hmm. I can call up that like I call it my Dr. G voice and it's like this time is just for you and <laughs> you know I could be going in the bathroom or brushing my hair and you know it just kind of sets the stage for the right like right you know thing with your body does it change your chemicals do you know like when you do that do the chemicals change in your body too? Well, I would assume because it does have a neurological effect on you. And if you have a neurological effect, it's going to affect, you know, the the hormone balances and stuff like that. So if it's changing your central nervous system, for sure, it's going to help. And uh, you got all these these hormones flying around anyway, making a baby. So, you know, wouldn't it make sense that you'd want to kind of calm that system down as much as you can? For sure, for sure. And it, it will absolutely help to impact pain intensity like it's just and how your brain responds to it you know because pain isn't technically in your back you know it's in your brain and it's how your brain is perceiving it so if you can change neurologically how your brain is perceiving it that's nociception that's what it's called it's gonna it's gonna affect how you respond to it so it's all about you know attacking it neurologically so doing wait, wait a minute I don't understand this you said the pain's in your brain and not in your back 
Yeah, I mean, technically, you know, it's it's the signals, right, going up into your brain. So it's not the pain isn't in your disc in your back or in your sciatic nerve. It's like if you can control how your brain perceives it. So it's like how your brain is perceiving it is called nociception. So if you can regulate that and and change how your brain is receiving it, then you can change how you're responding to it. Oh, that's fascinating. You know, mm-hmm. this is stuff like, you know, like, you know, because you're a doctor and I, you know, I'm a radio host. So what do I know? I don't know anything about pain <laughs> other than, ow, like that hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that like, you know, because there were there were some people, and of course, and I'm going to admit that I just like was like, oh, you're going to be kidding me. You know, kind of some of the natural birth classes I went to, and I did have a natural birth um, that were so like, brave, oh, so brave you are. <laughs> yeah, so dumb, <laughs> so dumb you are. <laughs> but they were like, you can control the pain through meditation. You can control the pain through hypnosis. So there's really some basis to that other than, you know, like not paying for an epidural. Right. Right. I mean, you know, it's, you know, when they do like nerve blocks and all that stuff, like it's, it's, you know, it's what your brain is perceiving. It's the, it's changing the signals to your brain. You know, you could still be bleeding, you could still be whatever, but it would, it's affecting how your brain is taking in that information. And then that's going to change how you respond to it. So when you get an epidural and they shoot it in your back, is that just blocking the, the Those like, signals? That- yeah, the signals. So it's like causing a traffic jam in your spine. So the the, the signals can't get through up mm-hmm. to your brain to tell you it hurts. Right. Oh, right. fascinating. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, what are you doing back there? You know, they stick this thing on your back and, you know, and then they're swabbing around and you're like, you know, what are you doing back there? Like this is, right. you know, it's, it's interesting that we can, you know, kind of play with our bodies this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something that they give in, in physical therapy clinics, and it's called a TENS unit, and it's this electrical stimulation. It's just these little electrode pads that they put on the back, but it, what it's doing is it's kind of feeding another signal to go along different fibers, different nerve fibers, to get to your brain before the pain signals get to your brain, and so it kind of blocks that. It, like, closes the gate, they say, to, to the pain signals because the pain signals travel slower. So it's just about affecting the brain and the nerve signals. It's not, like, switching, you know, the you're not doing anything to the disc and the spine or you're not doing anything to the the muscle spasms particularly it's affecting the neurological transmission of those pain signals and how your brain perceives it wow so like walking around with your cell phone you get a good signal you don't get a good signal because there is interference from something you're actually creating interference right right exactly oh i'm gonna i'm gonna have a phd by the end of today's show So we have just a, a few minutes left in the in the show today, Dr. Jagger. What's your best advice for someone who's either considering getting pregnant or is currently pregnant? You know, from like, you know, you wrote this book, you've, you've got many years of experience, you run a clinic, you see thousands of women in your lifetime. You know, what's your best advice to people, um, women, you know, who are pregnant or considering getting pregnant? I guess to not be afraid because if, you know, I think people are intimidated and they just assume that, you know, back pain is going to come along after a certain point in the pregnancy. And, you know, there really isn't a predictor of, um, of pain. Like if, if the woman is small and they're carrying big, it's not going to be a guarantee that you're going to have back pain or if you if you're going to have 
pelvic pain. Really, the biggest predictor is if you had back pain or pelvic pain before, it's most likely going to intensify during the pregnancy. But, you know, there are things you can do. And there are so many ways that you can prepare for the pregnancy. And again, self-treat, self-manage, um, and do very simple things to, to strengthen the muscles, to avoid certain positions that would make the pain worse or bring pain on. Um, so, you know, just moving forward without that, that fear or intimidation that it's just going to be a guaranteed, you know, painful experience and that you could recover, you know, you can recover from, uh, even a traumatic labor and delivery. And these are all tissues and muscles we're talking about. So they all have healing properties and there are ways to recover that are safe and, you know, things that you can do on your own to be, to be healthy and ready to take care of your baby. And where can we buy your book? Because, you know, you just knocked it out of the park today. I thought, you know, there was so much information for people. And, and, you know, if I do have another baby, you'll be my first on my list to call. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, okay. You know, because it's just important. And I think, you know, having this, your book on hand, having it as a resource, it should sit right on the shelf next to what to expect in the girlfriend's guide, you know, because this book, and I, you know, I go to do it again, but this book is just for you. Um, yeah, but absolutely. it is. It's you know, there's not a lot of whole stuff out there that's just for the the what you call it the oven. <laughs> the book <laughs> the for the oven. oven. <laughs> yeah. The bun is gonna be fine. Let's take care of the oven. That's um, right. Yeah, and I actually have a lot of people who have gotten the book where like they say their husbands have been using it because there's just a lot of great information for if you're just having back pain, sciatica, neck pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, things that you can do. You know, we we have precautions and accommodations for if you're pregnant, but there's just a lot of great things you can do and use it for with just, you know, regular pain for the non-pregnant patient. So, um, it's available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. You can also go to my site for some more information, which is drjagger.com and that's D-R-J as in Jack, A-G as in George, R-O-O.com. And, uh, yeah, the, you can find it. It's available now on, on the internet. That is awesome. That is awesome. You just gave me the greatest imagery because I'm like thinking, you know, this mom's in bed and she's pregnant and she's having all this back pain and she's reading your book and, you know, her husband comes in and he's like, oh, my back hurts. She could just yeah. throw the book right at him. Like, yeah, <laughs> read this, get out, just go take care of yourself. I'm here and here creating human life. Just leave me alone. <laughs> but, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for a great show. I really do. We had a lot of fun today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast. Yeah. All right, you guys, check her out. Dr. Jagru. That's J as in Jack, A G R O O dot com. So uh, we will come you back uh, later in the season. And I can't wait till you have a baby because I'm going to bring you on <laughs> and just grill you to death. Well, this is Sandra Beck from Motherhood Talk Radio, and we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood Talk Radio brings you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests to help you be all you can be. Everything from great parenting tips to moms living with cancer, starting a family, or starting a business. Making the most of how you bounce back with style. Join us next week for another great guest you won't want to miss here on Motherhood Talk Radio, live every Tuesday afternoon on toginet.com.